0: Hi there, you're listening to another episode of Life Confused Us Both, a series of conversations with creatives about their experiences with comparison and gratitude. Sakia is a gig curator who has been volunteering in the arts sector for a long time. We first met at Sofar Sounds in Dunedin and our most recent collaboration was under the umbrella of his organisation Hala Aotearoa, which we will talk all about very soon. Sakia has a master's degree focused in peace and conflict studies. He gives the best pre-performance introductions Mm. ever. (laughs) And he really knows how to create an amazing audience and artist experience at the gigs he's involved with. So, hi.
1: Ah, kia ora. <laughs> uh, What a great introduction. Oh, thank, thank you. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah,
0: I'm like competing with the introduction <laughs> king here. But anyway,
1: um,
0: yeah, I just love all the stuff that you do. And I guess it would be great if we could kick off with you explaining to me about Hala Aotearoa and explain to the listeners what that's all about.
1: Oh, thank you. Um... So HALA started um, just over a year ago. We, uh, during COVID, uh, me and my friend David Craig, who's a sound engineer. We, love, that, you we know, love David. Of course <laughs> we do. Um, we used to create gigs uh, through SoFarSands Dunedin, and with COVID, a lot of the regulations internationally meant that we had to mm-hmm. abide by them, even though for New Zealand, we are COVID-free for over a year. Right, and yeah. then we had to go into these lockdowns in and out. So... While I was trying to get Sofar Sands Dunedin back into New Zealand with a few of my friends in Australia and New Zealand, um, there was a bit of hesitation and David was just like, you know what, just do your own thing. So, we created Hala, which comes from an Arabic word that part of my origin. It's from a term we say, ahlan wa sahlan, and it's when we welcome guests to our home. So when we welcome them, we say "ahlan wa sahlan," which means you are now family and you're no longer a guest. So it's just to make them feel more at home. And, um, so hala is intimate music gigs that happen now in Wellington and in Eden. Mm-hmm. And the purpose of them is um, a very special event where people feel at home. They get to make friends. You can show up on your own. But it's to make sure that artists are being paid kindly and in a very fair amount and we donate whatever is left to charity. So as a curator, I don't make any money. Um, our sound engineer, David Daniden does it for the love of music. We have a whole film crew there that's doing it just because they love the community atmosphere mm. and the purpose of it. And I think if we change it to be a paid gig for us where we mm. get paid, it would change the whole meaning and purpose of it, I think. yeah.
0: So that's, I mean, that's beautiful mm. that you feel like you know, that you and David and everybody Mm -hmm. else really want to give up your time. So what, when you started getting involved with music, how did that happen? Like, why do you love it so much? (laughs) Oh,
1: um, it's a bit of an embarrassing story, to be honest. Um, so I, two of my friends in Dunedin started Sopra Sounds, um, and I was talking to this girl we haven't met yet. Um, and we were supposed to go on a date, but I was always out of the city and she was, and all of that didn't work. Um, So we ended up going to this gig as a first date. And my two friends who were curating the event then found out. um, And they just embarrassed me the whole night. (laughs) Um, It was was a great experience musically, but uh, personally it was a bit embarrassing. Uh, But I loved the atmosphere. I loved what it was all about. So I just offered to volunteer. Um, And then a week later, uh, they had an emergency and just had to leave Dunedin. So they just asked me to take over. Oh. So as someone, I went someone from yeah, just a regular person who just loves music and wants to attend to someone who had to put on a show. Mm. Um, a whole different experience, but here I am four years later. Yeah,
0: yeah, and putting on a show is not as easy as. Well, I don't think people are just like, I don't know, it just happens, you know, whatever. Um, but I feel that I've played, you know, lots of different venues, worked with lots of different people. And sometimes the atmosphere is just not quite right. And I've thought a lot about, I think sometimes it's connected to funny things like how the seats are set up or how people are sitting together and things like that. There's all these weird things going on, I think, that contribute to like a really nice atmosphere for the audience and for the artist. So what do you think, like every gig that I have done for you has just been like that magical thing where I'm like, I want to bottle this up and I want to play, I want to have that experience every time I play. So what do you think are the kind of ingredients that make that?
1: I'm, I'm personally very frustrated when I see a great musician playing in Wellington or Dunedin Mm. and, and I show up and there are only like 15 or 20 people. Um, it just, uh, I just get fuming because there's just a waste of space. Like Mm -hmm. people need to know and need to go out and support. But I think what you said is really important is it's where these events are taking place. Mm -hmm. So with my gigs, what we do is we sometimes tell people who is performing, but most of the time we don't really just publicize Mm -hmm. it. And I think what people show up to is a space where they know they're safe Um, um, drinks no drinks Um, they know that they can make new friends if they want to and it's not a must but if they want to it's a space where you will meet like-minded people and it's a space where the artists get to be as vulnerable as they can and I think Mm. the fact that you can hear a pin drop um, just makes it real and Mm. What adds to it is the reason we're doing it. So I think a lot of the people who are are now friends show up to our gigs because they know their money is going to charity, they know their money is going to support a really talented artist, and they know that it just contributes to a community where you meet randoms in the streets who recognize you from a gig that Mm. you've attended or you've had a chat, and it just creates a different atmosphere. In Indonesia, one... um, I think, yeah, he, a person who's holding like a venue um, once talked to me because we had a gig with Kylie Price actually. Yes,
0: oh, um, Kylie just moved to London, and I, I faced know. her under you, sir, and I miss her <laughs> so much. And I don't even like I live in Wellington, and I don't mm. even live near her, but I just saw her, and you just I'm like you're so far away. I know it was anyway,
1: heartbreaking. The, we miss you, yeah, Kylie. <laughs> yep. um, but yeah, it was on a Monday night. Um, we had seventy people show up mm. um, to a cafe. Um, we they were selling drinks and stuff, but, um, this guy came up to me and he's like, how do you do it? Like, he's like, we try and run gigs on a Thursday night, Friday night, and we don't get the 70 people. And I think it's, it's that community that you need to create. It's the musicians are a huge part of it, but I think it's the respect, it's the love, it's the kindness that you try and curate and the purpose of it that brings people.
0: And I think Mm. that word curate, that's where Mm. we were just talking Mm. before I hit record about what your role actually is and how to describe you. And it's that, like the fact that people in your community trust you enough to give you the 20 bucks or whatever it is and not even know what they're going to see. I feel like that is just incredible. And the gig that I did recently, we were working within COVID restrictions. And so we had to have a little bit less, less people than maybe we would have liked. And you just put on the um, website and on social media that this is why this ticket price has increased. And ticket prices are so interesting to me because people buy coffees or buy lunch or whatever and, and that's they don't even think about it. But some people don't feel that going to see a gig is worth that 30 bucks. So is there anything you'd like to say about the money side of things?
1: <laughs> I have the perfect quote for you because it's from... Khalil Gibran, who is one of my favorite authors, that so he says, And if there come the singers and the dancers and the flute players, buy of their gifts also, for they too are gatherers of fruits and frankincense, and that which they bring, though fashioned of dreams, is raiment and food for your soul. And before you leave the marketplace, see that no one has gone his way with empty hands, for the master's spirit of the earth shall not sleep peacefully upon the wind till the needs of the least of you are satisfied. Mm. And it just basically tells you that this song did not just happen when a musician sat in a corner for like five minutes and yeah. played. It's, it's life experiences, mm. it's a lot of work and practice. And we just enjoy it. And as much as we do, we need to show that support. I think we're very selfish when it comes to our experience with artists and music, we would listen to musician on Spotify nonstop and think, why aren't they releasing new songs or a new album? It's because you haven't done anything to support them financially. These people are not just sitting on trust funds. Mm. Um, And it goes a lot when I say to the guests like, Follow these artists, but don't just follow them, support them by going to their gigs, Mm -hmm. because this is where you actually show some monetary value, which is it's not the whole purpose of it. But if I love your music and I want you to do more Mm -hmm. and I just sit at home and demand new music, that's Mm -hmm. just not not the way to do it like i bought your vinyl record i don't even have a record player but i've been planning on it you know like it's, it's something i'm looking forward to to yeah. purchase because i really want to support my friends and musicians that way but you know this is the mm. the way to support it's not just saying oh this is a great musician yes that's that's a great start but you need to support them in a way that will actually make a difference
0: COVID has been, I mean, it's been interesting for every single human on the earth, but as someone who has had lots of tours cancelled and I suppose have then as a result spent a lot of time thinking about my life because I'm not like out on the road, I have found this whole idea of comparison, which is what this whole series is all about, has been harder to combat and like get out of my head because I think... I don't know, we're all spending more time scrolling and, like, looking at other people. There's been times when my friends in Australia have been, like, playing festivals that I would die to be at with them and be at to play, but also to actually just be at to see them again and and see that community. How do you feel about the last couple of years? Do you think that you have felt jealous of people?
1: I think, so we ran two gigs in... New Zealand this year, so one in Wellington, one in Dunedin, and we're running hopefully two more in Maine. And I think last year maybe we ran two or three as well, and the year before, the same. We used to run six to seven gigs in Dunedin only a year. Um. It, there was a gap, and I think I, I struggled quite a lot with that live music for a long time, <laughs> and the first time I've heard it, I was like, yes. You know, and it's just... And I think there was a, there were quite a few aspects. There was the safety, when is it right to do so? And and I think with our last gig, for example, in Dunedin, we had a person who was immunocompromised ask, what will the regulations be? And he said, we're following the regulations. Everyone attending will have to be vaccinated, and we will check the vaccines. If you feel unsafe, you can put your mask on yeah. the whole time. And knowing our guests, we know that no one was going to like have an issue with that
0: and you're saying you struggled without live music which I did so much as well and not only like it's not just that musicians want to go and sing on a stage and have people clap like that's that's part of it but it's also when it is kind of your lifestyle and often it's how you socialize and connect and stuff like that and I felt a really sort of interesting journey that probably is still happening now that I realized that my understanding of me being valuable or me being like productive was to do with putting on shows and I can you know write as many songs as I like and still feel you know like really great about that and feel like I've done really good creative work and so on but for me it's all about the actual connection with humans and seeing them face to face so did you feel like I just felt some days like I just suck and I have achieved nothing in 2021. And it's not true, <laughs> but that's how I felt. Did you feel similar? Um,
1: you've achieved quite a lot an album. <laughs> um, I, I totally get it. And mm. I think, so I've had two jobs in the last two years, mm. one that I've just moved to in October of last year. And with the beginning of COVID, um, my job just almost like tripled in demand. Mm. So the first one we were in lockdown and it just went, off the mm. roof so i did not have that at first but then about 6 months down the line i started noticing people around me just taking time to relax and just you know process covid mm. and for me i'm the kind of person that's go 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 and the minute i'm not putting in as much i just feel that i'm cheating and i'm yeah. not like I sh- i'm non deserving and all of that so it took me a while to really understand that COVID is not just a problem in your life. It's something new that mm. we have to process in a new way and not just compare it to something else. But you, you have, we compare ourselves to others all the time in two ways one, personally, so mm. either to a specific person and what they have achieved. Mm. But my biggest problem is the demands or that what society deems successful Mm. or right. Like you have these almost like checklist of when can you get married? When do you have to have a house? Yeah. How many jobs, you know? And it's like, and I think these are personal objectives and personal goals and everyone reaches them at a different stage Mm. of life. And if we continue to take that one standard model, Yeah we will always compare ourselves in a negative way Mm. and not in a positive one. And I think I was very lucky to grow up in a family where my family never cared about my grades in comparing to other students. Mm. All they really wanted to know was, did you do your best? Mm. And I never did my best. I was always procrastinating or like just, yeah. And that is what made me feel guilty. It wasn't the grade. And I think it really lived on with me. So now... When I compare things, I'm, I compare how happy am I with my work. Mm. And I think that is really important. If I didn't have that, I wouldn't have got through COVID and mm. all of the last couple of years. Yeah.
0: If you're loving this episode and want to support this project, you can do a few things. You can check out my Life Confused Us Both denim aprons that are available now from my website, jennymitchell.co.nz. They're super cute and comfy and are a way to directly support me and my creative endeavours. You can also listen to the song that inspired this podcast. It's called Lucy and it's out now wherever you like to listen to music. And of course, the completely free and easy way to support this project is to share it with your friends has there been other times in your career um or just in your Mm. life where you have felt um that you've compared yourself to other people you've felt really like uncomfortable with your achievement or whatever so
1: it was a time with the music curating and i I didn't initially, and then a conversation came up um, with someone who pointed out that I wasn't being as diverse in the music choice that we bring to our gigs. Um, There was some truth to that, but it was due to the lack of diversity in the pool around us. So um, the process of applying was always open. And obviously, I'm, I'm very conscious of the fact that I'm not a musician mm. and I get to s- decide who's a good musician to play at my gigs and who is not. I never thought about that. <laughs> yes. So that, that always is in the back of my head. So I always try and get second opinions mm. on some of the musicians, especially in the very first, like six, seven months of mm. me starting this whole process. Um, but... So when that happened, I immediately said like, no, and I tried to explain, but then that person kept insisting and I couldn't help, but just have to go home and sit with myself and actually reflect. Cause I was really worried that I've actually denied
0: mm-hmm. some
1: incredibly talented people the chance to perform at one of our gigs. It's not Coachella or anything, but like, it's still an opportunity still for them. It's still a magical yeah. experience. Yeah, but it's an opportunity for them to like display <laughs> yeah, their yeah. art and to the community And I just really, I was taken aback and I was um, confused at a while and I had to, like, talk to a few friends and, like, check that I'm good, you know, instead of just saying, like, no, I know what I'm doing. But it's because it's it's an area that I've never been part of Mm. in this perspective as a curator. I was always a listener. So I hold a certain amount of power. It's not huge, but and to know to, to to have been told that i've denied some people the opportunity just really like shook me um, and then a couple a year later maybe with that same person we've had that same exact conversation again and i just immediately like just i was collected i knew what i've done mm. and i because i've had to sit on it and think really think about it and just explain why it is the way it is and it's just simply that we haven't had the chance to get these many people apply to our gigs and i'm still like hala is very new we're still trying to get new people to apply to it and it's it's it pays musicians fairly well and it provides a really good community but i'm trying to apply for a grant i'm trying to create it as an entity which i just did this year trying to hold events um all while having a full-time job, a family yeah. back home in Yemen in the midst of war, you know? So it's, yeah. it's so many things. And I think for that person, all they thought about was almost like a full-time um, record label like yeah. manager. And I'm like, I'm none of these things. Mm-hmm. I'm just someone who really loves music, who decided to hold spaces mm-hmm. for musicians and the community. And if you have any suggestions, please mm-hmm. send them our way. So like in my work, Mm. All of my work revolves around inclusion, uh, diversity, yeah. equity, um, removing um, systematic discriminative like mm. processes. So okay. this is what I live for yeah. and I do in my day to day life and then have someone tell you that like mm. it, it has an effect, even if it's just a comment, mm. it really makes you rethink everything you've done. And if you don't have the confidence and the the good support network around you that actually re-encourages you and tells you, like, you've actually been doing well, Mm. these comments can make you compare yourself to everyone else and think that you're not doing as good, you're not doing enough, and then that whole process could just collapse. I can't even imagine what you go through because when someone criticizes my work in the music scene, it's me putting on a show, Mm. but the talent is your talent. Mm. So if they criticize me, they criticize me for selecting a venue um, for, you know, for the sound equipment, for, you know, the ticket price, things that are just materialistic that could be changed in a snap. Mm. Whereas you, someone dares to make a comment about Mm. your talent, art, looks, appearances, these things really can shake someone Mm. and people just say them so easily yeah thinking yeah
0: mm. but then in saying that I do think the experience of comparison is probably different for us but then if a gig is quote bad like if there's a gig where people are criticizing it mm. and it is about the sound then that is kind of your like it's easy for yeah. an artist to be like what happens to Keir? like and or if someone says to me you know like well, what was you know like what happened or whatever i'm like oh well, it's all secure so yeah. obviously i wouldn't say oh, that no. but so there is i feel like there is a lot of responsibility that,
1: that's why you have david you yes know? we all need david It never goes <laughs> wrong
0: so i would like you to uh tell me a little bit about Your kind of professional life. I think your sounds like your Mm. degree was super interesting. So if you're happy to just talk to that, what was that like?
1: Yeah. So I did my undergrad at the University American University of Beirut. I did uh, public policy, and I did a diploma in media communications um, uh, in the U.S. too. And then I was just kind of like in my space in between Yemen, Lebanon, and the U.S. And when an opportunity came to do a master's in peace studies with Rotary. And my two options kind of like narrowed down to Italy or New Zealand. And I had just met this guy in my exchange in the US from Christchurch, And he kind of like was like, you won't regret it and Mm. you should try it. And my Lebanon experience was exactly the same. I was never planning on going there. Went and it ended up being some of the best years of my life. Decided to come to New Zealand. The only place with peace and conflict was Dunedin, so I went there, and I ended up working for the Red Cross for about four to five years in the youth engagement space uh, while I was doing the music. And um, recently moved to Wellington, which is the place I've always wanted to move into mm-hmm. since I got almost to at the same minute.
0: time as me. Yes, like, yeah, almost uh, the same uh, month. Uh, yeah,
1: <laughs> um, and currently work with Huye Community Aotearoa and its uh, peak body that champions Tangata Fenua community and volunteer sector. So we work quite a lot in bridging the gap between the volunteer community sector, charities and government oh, and removing a lot of the inequities around application processes, mm. funding, who the money goes to and all of that. Yeah.
0: Mm. So mm. you're obviously full time with that at the moment yes and still doing the amazing music things so what's your um, plans what are you excited about in the next say year
1: so this year we've registered hala officially Mm -hmm. so not as a kind of as a company so we're registered under the open collective which is a fiscal holder and it just means that our all of our finances are being taken care of by them and it's very transparent. So the invoices, which we have did, mm-hmm. it's all online. So if people log in to check us out online on the Open Collective platform, they will see how much money we sold from tickets, mm-hmm. how much money went to the artists, how much money is still there that we intend to donate, and all of that. So this year, I really want to get uh, grants from government. And what that will mean is I can plan a gig and not have to set aside some pocket Mm. money, just in case we don't have enough guests that I have to pay the artist myself. But it will also mean that we can run the gigs the same way they are at no cost to the grant. And if we end up having grant money at the end of the year, we can buy equipment. Mm. And if I do that for the next three years, then we'll have enough equipment in Wellington that we can then just run the gigs, hire the sound engineer and the musicians and the mo- we can donate more money to charity rather than have to rent um, gear. Whereas in Dunedin, it's a bit different because Strawberry Sounds are very generous that they just offer us all of the gear for free. So if we can find the same collaboration in Wellington, that would mm-hmm. help. But once all of that is done, then ideally, we want Hala to be in Oakland, Wellington, and Dunedin, and we can try and get at least three artists per year to do all three gigs as part of like a tour. So if you release mm. an album like you just did, we can organize one for you in Dunedin with two other artists and ideally try and get you all three to go like to Like a season yes, kind of, yeah, yeah
0: awesome. Yeah. I love that idea of kind of spreading it around and having it be more of a long-term thing than just one-off because it's amazing to have one good gig, but it would be cool mm, if we could have 100%. a couple. <laughs> and
1: I think it's hard, but the main thing we're trying to do is to remove as much cost Mm. to running the event. Um, The profit factor is not a thing, so we're not looking to make any of that, but to remove as much of the cost while being very kind to the people that we work with so that we can give the artists as much as possible and then charity as well.
0: I'm asking each of my Life Confuse Us, both guests, Um, I've kind of talked about my experience working with you that I just love it and I just wish everybody was like you but I'd love to know you personally when people work with you could be in your day job could be with music or whatever what do you want them to feel about about you if they describe you what do you want them to say
1: Great question. And you have been one of the best artists to work oh. with. Too. And I keep telling this to everyone and I like send people your way because I know you'd be friends with them at the end oh, of the gig. Thanks. So a hundred percent. What I want people to get out of interacting with me. I think the main thing I try and relay and I'm really conscious about it is that I'm always, if I'm working with you, my intentions are always going to be to be of benefit to you like I would never want to just take and not give give back and a lot of the work I do and throughout my friendships just not normal conversations it's all about equity justice and social impact so like I don't want to just run a gig for the music even though it's a great thing to do we want to run a gig and if I can give my part of the profit to a charity that's the social impact that's the change that we want to do and I also want them to feel comfortable to say whatever is in their mind, as long as it's not harmful to someone, to someone else. And it's not negatively impacting someone else's life. But to be honest, direct, and to feel that they're accepted for who they are. So they don't have to act differently, change the way they look, the way they dress, the way they talk. Just be you and be comfortable in it, too, and not just be you and have to navigate a tricky situation. Yeah. You know?
0: mm. Authentic is a word that gets thrown around all the time But I feel like you are very authentically you And you are not afraid to be yourself And I think it's contagious And that's why people love Harlakex Thank
1: you (laughs) So Uh thanks
0: for sitting here Um, We're here, like I said, in my flat in Wellington And um, it's such a treat to be able to talk to you face to face And always love catching up with you Uh, Thank you Jenny
1: And you'll have to remember this That in life you will be the reason I got a record player
0: Oh, that is the best best compliment ever.
1: My first ever vinyl, so yeah.
0: (laughs) It comforts me to know that the world gave Lucy and I different kinds of gold, and life can feel stuck.